Good morning. At about one o'clock this morning, I kind of went through a, a panic attack. Um, as I was touching up on my sermon to preach this morning, um, the Bible software that I use crashed. <laughs> so it, what it did is that it wiped up my sermon and then it wiped up all my other sermons that I had. So one o'clock in the morning I'm sitting there and the anxiety is raising. And and about and I thought to myself, maybe maybe I'll just preach with no manuscript, no notes. And I thought, no, I don't think I have enough faith to do that. So here I am, one o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm okay, what am I gonna do? What am I going to do? I've got a few hours to prepare for a sermon. So luckily, as I was um, looking through my Word documents, I found one of my old sermons, one of the first sermons that I preached here at the church. So maybe the Lord wanted me to preach that here this morning. So, amen? At least I've got something to preach. So if you have your Bibles... It's actually the same passage that that Paul, I mean that um, Rob preached a couple of weeks ago. I, I've got this habit of of preaching the same verses that that Rob preaches. So, Rob, maybe this could be another part two, like the last one. Yeah, part three. Yeah, okay. So, if you have your Bibles, let us turn to Philippians chapter two, and we will be in verses five to eight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, looking at this idea of humility, the ultimate humility of Christ, and how we as followers of Christ are to imitate our Lord, especially in our culture we live in, where pride is exalted and humility is looked down. We look into our society today, we see evidence of pride everywhere. Self-glory, self-promotion, self-pleasure, self-fulfillment. I deserve that, I deserve this, you are under me. If it wasn't for me, look at me, it's all about me. What's in it for me? Selfie of me. Me, me, me. And the list goes on and on. That was quite draining saying that. That's an attitude that stems from a prideful heart. A heart that is desperate for attention and respect. A heart that is hungry to be adored. A heart that prefers some people over others. A heart that is so consumed in themselves that their thoughts are so far from God. A heart that makes everything about me, elevating me. A heart that uses the good name of the Lord to promote me. My carnal desires, my carnal satisfactions, my carnal happiness, which leads to knowing very little about sacrifice. And maybe, just maybe, we can be blind to our own pridefulness. And this morning, 
I come from a place of truth and love to remind and to encourage you and myself of the attitude that Christ had. An attitude that served others. An attitude that loves others. An attitude that didn't think of himself. An attitude that left the comforts of his dwelling place to come and suffer in our place where humans dwell. A place where sin runs rampant, a place where people turn from God, a place where people are lovers of self, a place where people build their own kingdoms, a place where babies are murdered in the womb, a place of greed, a place God made good, but we made bad. If you lived outside of that place, why would you want to enter it? I wouldn't enter it. Why would I leave my comfort, my throne, my riches, no sufferings, no tears, no pain place, and enter into a place where humans dwell? Because in myself, I am just as prideful, like people here on earth. Praise the Lord that I am not God. But we have a God who has every right to be comfortable for my place of power and authority in heaven. But his love for us drove him to a place of weakness for the sake of you and me. In his humility, Christ did that and suffered the consequences of our sin. And as followers of Christ, we are called to imitate that same humility. In Philippians 2, Paul is calling Christians to live lives in service to others. Esteem others more. Humble ourselves. And to motivate us, he pens verses 5 to 8. To turn to the example of Christ. So let us open our Bibles. I'm going to read from verse 1 uh, for some context. Verse 1, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent, and one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this privilege that you have given us to gather here under the authority of your word. 
So, Lord, we ask that through the power of your Spirit that you teach us this morning. Without you, Lord, we cannot understand your word. So use me as a vessel to deliver your word to your people for the glory of your name. May I decrease so that your son will increase. In Jesus' name, amen. So verses 1 to 4, Paul gives us the principle of what he wants to apply in our daily lives. Verses 5 to 8, Paul gives us the picture of Jesus Christ applied this to his life here on earth. So let's unpack this, starting in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's an attitude check for ourselves. An attitude that's in line with the attitude of Christ. What's the attitude of Christ? Look at verses 3 to 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Not merely look at your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So the attitude or mindset of Christ is what? A mindset that esteems others than yourself, a mindset that humbles yourself, a mindset that thinks of others' needs first. That's the attitude that should be in you and me. How we live this attitude out externally needs to stand for me internally first. Have a look at the verse again. Have this attitude in yourselves. The attitude needs to be in you before it can be expressed out of you. Why? Because it is God who works in you. It is God who changes the heart. It is God who lives in you. If it's merely external, then it's nothing but an act of self-righteousness. Self-praise, looking to be recognized. We are called to have the same attitude that was in Christ. Thinking like Christ leads to walking like Christ. Verse 6. Now Paul is going to tell us that what esteems others better than yourself looks like. What humbling ourselves looks like. Sorry, yeah, verse 6. Okay, I think I'm a bit lost here. Philippians. 2.6, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. First half of verse 6, although he existed in the form of God. Paul is describing who Christ is before he was born on earth. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is fully, the fully and the eternal God. He is by nature in the form of God. The word form in that verse, some translation will use the word being. It's the Greek word morphe, which means a form that is truly and fully the being of that person. Not in the physical form, not in the way he looks, but 
in him, he has the attributes and the characteristics of God. Because he's God. The inward attributes of God were expressed outwardly in who Jesus was. God's power, God's authority, God's glory, God's majesty. Same attributes as his father. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. If you ever wanted to know what the father was like, you look at Christ. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is God. Second half of verse 6, do not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here we see Jesus who will see in heaven. He was equal with God, but he did not hold tightly to that equality. Jesus becoming a man. His willingness to humble himself to save sinners. The creator of heaven where angels worshipped him. He didn't hold on to that. But left his place where he was worshipped and came and dressed as a slave. Christ was so high and became low. Christ was so rich and became poor. Christ had a kingdom and became homeless. He didn't hold on to the status of who he was, but he let it go. He did not take advantage of who he was. He did not take advantage to avoid the pain of the cross that God had planned from the beginning. Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. The God that created the whole universe considered you and I important enough to wrap himself in humanity. To be born as a man. To live a life and die our death on the cross so that we could be saved. If that's not putting others as more important than yourself, then I don't know what is. Imagine myself being God. Oh, look, Kennedy. Squish. Oh, look, Ray. Squish. Puny humans. No intent to save mankind. Why? Because within myself, I am the most self-centered person there can be. You give me that kind of power and you will see that it's all about me, myself, and I. I would never humble myself to look at the best interests of others. I will hold so tightly to my throne, never letting it go. My throne, I'm God. But not Christ. Not Christ. He let it go. He let go of his glory. He let go of his throne for you and me. Verse 7. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Instead of taking advantage of who he was, instead of coming to the earth and saying, look, I'm the creator of all things. You guys should bow down to me. 
It says he emptied himself. Other translations will say he made himself of no reputation. Others will say made himself nothing. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He did not empty himself of his deity. Doesn't mean he stopped being God. It means he gave up his authority that was his and became submissive under his father. He gave up his heavenly riches. He gave up his rights and privileges. He gave up his glory. He took off his robe and crown, set that aside and came dressed as a slave to voluntarily serve us. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. And when it says he came in the likeness of men, at the end of verse 7, Christ became more than God in human body. But he took on all the attributes of humanity. He had to learn to grow, to experience what we experience. He felt fear, he felt sadness, he felt happiness, he felt joy. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was betrayed, he was tired, he slept, he suffered. He experienced all that a human can experience. He had to learn obedience. When he was on his throne, everyone obeyed him. But he put all that aside so that he could identify with us. So no human in all of history could say, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't understand my situation. He knows. And he gets it. Because all the experiences that we had, he went through them as well. He devoted himself to us in disregard of his own interests. He didn't consider what he deserved or didn't deserve as God, but he did what was in our best interest. And I keep repeating myself because it's important that it's stuck in our minds and our hearts. As believers, we should be blown away with that reality because of the humility that took to be the creator of everything and say, okay, now I'm going to go down and take on the form of man and live and die for these sinful people. It should really boggle our minds. How can a holy and righteous God come and die for me, a wretched sinner, a sinner that did nothing but offend God with my sin, deserving nothing but the fires of hell? But by grace, he saves us. Because of his love for you and me. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 So to continue, he didn't just humble himself by becoming a man. He didn't just stop there in his humility, but he humbled himself to the point 
of death, verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was not humbled by anyone, but that he humbled himself. He chose it. It's all his own doing. There's no external thing that humbled him, but that he voluntarily humbled himself for us. Christ, but Christ's ultimate expression of humility was in his shame. He brought the ultimate obedience to the point of death. Jesus didn't just suffer death. He died as a criminal. The crucifixion, the most cruelest, the most degrading form of death reserved only for the worst criminals in Roman society. Dying his death on the cross is to see Christ covered in shame and disgrace in the eyes of man. People walked past him and looked up at him with shame that he was under. Hanging there naked, mocking him, laughing at him, spitting at him. He went through that to save you and me. Truly Christ was the humblest man ever lived. And that is the example for us Christians. To lay aside everything we think we are. Everything we think we deserve. I've heard Pastor Kennedy give counsel to a member that we have to be lower than the carpet. Great counsel. Lower than the carpet to serve others. Don't look at anybody and think you are so beneath me. And do that. But to say I am here to serve you, my brother and sister. That is our message. So again, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. This is a divine call to every single person in the body of Christ. To live a life worthy of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I give you a challenge this morning to look at yourselves, examine yourselves, and, and me too. Ask yourself the question, have you humbled yourself? Have you denied yourself and pick up your cross daily? Is Christ the center of your Christian living? Have you come to the realization that it's not about exalting ourselves, but exalting our King, our Lord, our Savior? These are good questions to ask ourselves. Let me finish off with some passages. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Proverbs 11 to when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Luke 14.11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your son who left the comforts of his throne, entered into our world, and died for our sins. And it's because of him we stand before you, pure, holy, and justified. Lord, we thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for the example of humility. May our lives be marked by it. Always to look at the example of our King for the glory of his name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.